Hello and welcome to the I Do Consent podcast with me, your host, Jen Wilson, also known as Irregular Jen. Season 2 is here with the Consent Compass launching on the International Day of Consent, 30th of November, 2023, continuing this work to platform consent as a practice and a tool for making positive changes from the personal to the global. Thanks for listening in. And welcome to I Do Consent podcast. Today we're recording in November 2021 and my guest is Julia. I'm not going to give you Julia's surname for anonymity reasons. Julia has a background in organising polyamorous events throughout England and in the communities in the Midlands and the Southwest. And we're going to talk about consensual non-monogamy and polyamory and what those kinds of relationships entail. Um, Now I'm uh, identified as polyamorous and consensually non-monogamous as well Um, but as Julia is my guest I'm going to invite you, hi Julia, um, to say what what, when we're describing consensual non-monogamy what do we mean what does that cover? So hello, Jenny. I am very excited to be here with you today and uh, discussing this topic because uh, it's so, so close to my heart, as uh, as you know. And uh, I, I, as, as you, as yourself, I am, uh, I, I practice consensual non-monogamy as well and uh, specifically polyamory as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, to answer your question, um, what is consensual non-monogamy and what is uh, specifically polyamory? Well, consensual non-monogamy. Uh, well, I, I mean, it's a uh, the, the word. The words are pretty self-descriptive, and uh, it means uh, uh, choosing to practice uh, uh, non monogamy mm-hmm. uh in a way uh, that is uh, that you know involves consent from all the parties involved and in a way that involves uh, uh ethical behaviors uh, uh, from all the parties uh, involved and uh, obviously definition of what you know ethical behavior behaviors mean you know can vary from person to person mm. and normally uh you know Normally, in normal society, uh, the majority of, you know, relationships are monogamous, which means that, you know, it's just two people paired with each other. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, the general expectations uh, that, uh, you know, uh, people have from relationships. And um, when we grew up, when the majority of people grew up, at least uh, here in the UK, that's, that's the expectation that we have, right? So, you know, that's what we are taught that we are meant to do in relationships. Uh, that's kind of the script uh, that, you know, we, uh, we, are, we, we're meant to follow. 
And mm -hmm. uh, if someone uh, chooses to practice uh, consensual non-monogamy, uh, specifically uh, polyamory, uh, we tend to make an active step to walk away from that script uh, because uh, uh, it comes with, uh, uh, you know, with a decision to walk away from societal norms, you know, uh, of what, you know, we are meant to be following, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, there are, you know, loads of different ways to do to practice consensual non-monogamy. Mm -hmm. uh, there are, you know, so many ways, honestly, there are um, ways that involve just uh, um, non-monogamy around sexuality, for example, like open relationships uh, or like swinging or um, monogamish relationships or there are um, consensual non-monogamous relationships that involve also, you know, feelings and, uh, you know, um, committed relationships and love and emotions. And those tend to be more like, you know, uh, polyamorous relationships uh, or um, um, other types uh, of, uh, you know, um, relationship styles like relationship anarchy. Um, or can you think of any others, for yeah, example? Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. There's, a, I, I think there's so many um, misunderstandings when we say consensual non-monogamy. Um, most people yeah. think, most people that I've spoken to immediately think of an open relationship or swinging, that it's about a monogamous couple opening up their relationship to have um, sexual connections with other people. Um, whereas polyamory is about yeah. the loving connections between other people and sometimes that yeah. involves sex and other times it might not. Um, yeah. Um, but romantic connections between people, that's, you know, it's amory, yeah. isn't it? it's the love. Um, yeah. And there's loads of different ways to be polyamorous as well. I've noticed, you know, that whenever I see polyamory depicted on telly or in films it tends to be um a, a bit like that um opening a relationship type model where there's a couple and they open up to um a relationship with someone else usually it's a heterosexual couple and they find a, a bisexual woman who they're both involved with and that's the thing that occurs most often in in tv and that's films. a very common pattern yeah yeah but in, but I, I i don't know about you but my experience is that actually that's really uncommon um in, among the polyamorous people that i know that kind of triad um of of a couple plus one a, a, a thruple um is really really unusual way of doing polyamory i think what do you think i think it's very usual that uh, couples who um try at first you know to open up their relationship uh i think it's very common that they aim for that at first but it's very unusual that it actually works <laughs> so, uh, so you know us uh, who are maybe perhaps a bit more involved in the community yes as you said it's 
more it's less likely that we actually tend to see that kind of you know relationship you know actually working you know yes and when we talk uh, about ethical behavior in relationships in polyamory I mean, I think that sort of well, well, the people call them unicorn hunters, don't they? Where you know the the yeah. heterosexual couple that are looking for a bisexual um, woman to join their relationship. Um, it's that that thing that people aren't necessarily the, the mindset that they're in is still a very monogamous mindset of the primary yeah. relationship that's at the core of it, and this person's like an add-on and like secondary and less important and actually in reality in polyamory um you know in a triad there are four relationships potentially going on between yeah between each of the three people and then the relationship between the three of them together and actually that's a lot of relationships and a lot of love and it's a lot of it's a lot of emotional management and it's a lot of time management and people lots yes, of education um, yeah. new to polyamory do not realize how much you know emotional labor you know they tend to you know they need you know to actually work mm. Yeah, mm. that's Absolutely. very common so yeah. when we're talking um, about ethics it's it's about that that uh, that freedom and the consent of all the people involved isn't it Yes, yeah. It's about uh, ensuring. Uh, it's about ensuring that everybody is making uh, a free choice uh, to be in these relationships, and it's about also, in my opinion, it's about not objectifying any of the parties involved. So you know, remi- you know, remembering and entering entering each connection, each you know, new relationship, you know. Um, remembering that, you know, everybody has, you know, the right for self-determination, you know, and the right, you know, for making their own choices without having, you know, a set of rules and a set of expectations imposed on them. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, as you said, that's not what, you know, unicorn hunters expect, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on the ethics or lack of them in that kind of unicorn hunting thing. I mean, you can have a a very ethical triad relationship if all three parties are fully and freely consented with Fry's, with the Fry's framework that we refer to a lot here. Yeah. Um, but luckily, there are so many other kinds of polyamorous relationships besides triads, you know. Um, for example, I just uh, spent the weekend, uh, last weekend, with some friends who are not in a triad. They are um, in a V relationship. Um, they are in a V pattern. So, you know, uh, there's uh, one person that has, you know, two partners and they do not engage with you know, the two partners who are called metamers, you know, they are metamers in relation with each other. They, you know, do not engage with each other, but they all, you know, hang out together like, you know, a very nice, uh, you know, polycule, which is, which means, you know, like, uh, you know, a collection of, uh, you know, uh, partners and partners, partners, and, uh, you know, um, which is like, which has got like a nice family feeling, you know. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. I, I, um, 
uh, I love it when I can be good friends with my partner's partner. I absolutely love it. It's like one of my favorite feelings ever because, you know, the love, the feeling of love just expands, you know. And if you see your loved ones being happy with someone else, that makes me happy, you know. And that feeling, uh, which, you know, in polyamorous uh, in polyamory slang we call compassion you know just makes me super happy you know and it just uh, you know enhances uh, you know the joy that I feel you know when I am you know in polyamorous relationships you know and I know that it's not super easy to feel for everybody and some polyamorous people don't feel it at all you know and and that's fine as well you know because uh, you know, some polyamorous people perhaps struggle with uh, the opposite feeling, which is, you know, jealousy, you know. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, you know, they f- struggle with actually seeing, you know, their partners with other partners, you know. Yeah. And I've, I've spent a long time um, since uh, beginning my journey into consensual non-monogamy unpacking my feelings of jealousy and recognising yeah. that actually... I'm very rarely feeling actual jealousy in terms of jealousy being having a sense of sort of some someone taking something that belongs to you away from you because I don't feel any sense of ownership over my partners. They're free to do what they wish. Um, But I can very often feel insecure. Um, I can feel envy. You know, that maybe my partner's doing something with their other partner that I'd like to do, but I can't because I'm busy doing something else or whatever. Um, so unpacking those complex feelings is a, you know, it's it, I guess it's that thing you said of scripts. You know, we're going off the, the, the core normal and in inverted commas script of, you know, relationships are supposed to be monogamous and you're supposed to meet the one and live happily ever after once you've thrown that out of the window then you're kind of without a map for how your relationships should go like i i I know uh you like me you're we're solo poly so um neither one of us lives with a romantic partner um and and at the moment i i have no particular intention to live with a romantic partner i live with my daughter and uh my housemate who's a good friend who pays me rent and um and that's great you know that works for me and and my partners visit me and i sometimes visit them but that doesn't mean that we're not committed yeah. my you know i've been in a long distance relationship for over 4 years with one of my partners so yeah yeah you have yeah yeah and uh, but yeah, um, as you said, unpacking those feelings, uh, you know, um, I think <clears throat> that can have, a, you know, a consent component as well. Mm-hmm. Because uh, let's say that you've got, for example, you know, hypothetically, let's say that you've got a partner that struggles with feelings of jealousy. Like, uh, you cannot impose uh, the emotional labor on your partner you know you cannot expect your partner to do that emotional labor of you know working through you know the feelings if they're not willing to do it so you know that comes with a consensual component because they need to be willing to do it you know they need to you know have the you know the intent you know to work through those feelings and otherwise if they don't want to do it uh, you know, uh, 
you know as a as you know as a, as a partner you know as a person you need to accept that you know they're mm-hmm. not with do it and you know you need to figure out how you're going to live your relationship with partner that you know is perhaps not willing to do that emotional labor and you know how and maybe you need to ask questions like how is that going to affect my relationship but not just my relationship how is this lack of willingness to work through the insecurity through the jealousy how is that going to affect my other relationships as well because you know uh, perhaps that means that my other, you know this partner is not willing to you know hang out with my other partners so you know it's go- it's going to mean that you know we are not going to have like you know a nice polycule d- dynamic perhaps yeah. you know perhaps it means that we're not going to be able to do kitchen table polyamory which means you know all hanging out together being you know happy and married together you know like just having a nice cuppa around the kitchen table you know like you know like you know whereas some people are are more comfortable with parallel polyamory where exactly uh, they are aware and and consenting to um you know everybody being free to do what they want but they're not sharing um those connections in any way as friends or anything it's just very exactly Yeah. Um, And so having those conversations about what kind of style of polyamory you want and and that can shift over time, you know, like, you know, um, some people are parents or, you know, different life choices, events happen and our our needs and wants change over time. So um, it's constant. (laughs) The more relationships you have, the more communication and navigation and emotional labor there is as a a lot of bandwidth involved in being polyamorous. So, Julia, with all that in mind, um, yeah. um, uh, why, why, why do, why are people polyamorous? You know, wouldn't it just be easier yeah. for them to just? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Monogamy is so much easier because you've got only one relationship to deal with, right? Okay. But a lot of people choose to do polyamory for many, many other reasons. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I recently, uh, I recently asked the community why polyamory. I recently, uh, and I got so much feedback, you know, and there are so many answers and I've got so many beautiful answers, uh, to share. And I'd like to share some of them with you if it's okay. And, yeah, that would be great. I'd love to hear people's different reasons for, for being poly and living that way yeah yeah so um a very common reason uh for which people are polyamorous is that um you know for example is that it because it addresses um you know how the love for one person doesn't um how the love for one person can be different from uh the love for one that how uh, other let's start that sentence from the beginning <laughs> so acknowledging that one person can be polyamorous means acknowledge, acknowledging that different relationships can feel different from each other so um the love that you feel for one person can uh, uh feel different from the love that you have towards another person and polyamory gives you you know the opportunity uh to acknowledge that feeling 
And I think uh, uh, that's a beautiful thing that I certainly have experienced this because I currently have uh, um, a couple of, uh, you know, people. Yeah. And I feel very different towards both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have uh, different relationship uh, dynamics uh, um, with each of them. And, you know, being polyamorous, uh, you know, gives me the possibility to experience, you know, different kinds of love, you know, and uh, and other yeah. people in the community feel the same way. Yes, that you can... Um, you're not trying to, to make one relationship fulfil everybody's needs from you know but actually you are loving the person for who they are where they are what they want and need right now and what you want and need right now and what you've built between you and that can be what it is you know that's whatever we build together yeah that's that's very true yes and in this statement there is an acknowledgement also that one person sometimes cannot give you everything because you know the script that we spoke about earlier comes with an expectation that you know one person has to fulfill all of your love needs right you know and all of your you know family needs and all of your you know you know life needs right but you know reality can be different right you know we know that you know one person sometimes you know cannot fulfill all of your sexuality needs, all of your romantic needs, all of your companionship and partnership needs. So, you know, this statement that, you know, um, you can live different kinds of love with different people mm-hmm. is a recognition that, uh, you know, uh, one person sometimes, you know, um, you know, can cannot fulfill everything that you need in life. And that's, yeah, that's how it I think, I think quite a lot of people um, who aren't polyamorous, you know, if, 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 it's unusual to find that couple that married when they were in their teens. And well, my parents married in their 20s and they're still happily married 60 years later, which is amazing to me. Um, but that, um, you know, that idea that that someone can be your lover, your best friend, your financial support, your emotional support, uh, co-parent with you, um, move house when you need to for your job and when you move house when they need to for theirs, that you cohabit successfully, that you yeah. eat That's together, a lot, holiday together, all of those things. That's so much. Jesus. There's yeah. so many things to expect from one one relationship when actually – you know, I I would say to anyone who's listening who's monogamous, I hope you I hope you're not having a relationship like that, but that actually you're having um, friendships at least. You know, outside of your um, monogamous relationship, that that means that you do have the freedom to explore other con- other connections. It doesn't have to be um, non-monogamous to do that. You know, it's about um, giving each other space and freedom to live a full life isn't it yeah absolutely yeah are there any other core reasons that have come up again and again from people yes absolutely another very common and strong reason that people feel is uh, uh, to allow an alignment between um, internal feelings and how people decide to live to to live their life Mm. so um Sometimes uh, when people try to practice monogamous relationships, there's a discrepancy between how they feel and between 
uh, how they, la- they lead their life. So, you know, they might have uh, feelings for multiple people. They might be attracted towards multiple people, but they might, uh, uh, you know, only have one partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they might, ma- this discrepancy might make them feel like that there's no alignment between, you know, what's going on internally mm-hmm. and what they're doing in practice, right? Mm-hmm. And this discrepancy might be a source of unhappiness, you know, and might be a source of, uh, you know, um, something that tells them um, I'm not living in accordance with my values. And okay. um, we know, we know uh, research tells uh, us that people who live in accordance with the values, with the values are just a lot happier, you know, and that's why not living in accordance uh, with this, specific value it can be a source of happiness yeah and uh, I have heard so much and so often in the community people saying I want to live the you know the truth you know I want to live my truth in that yeah. sense I, I really strongly relate to that in two two ways one is one is that for me my values and ethics around consent were such that I don't want to limit anyone I'm in any kind of relationship with to following some script as to how we're supposed to relate to each other. I want that I want all my relationships to be really consensual in all the all the ways. So that's one reason. And then the other thing is um is people that I've met along the way who I I didn't find monogamy hard personally. I found it quite easy to be romantically and sexually faithful when I was in monogamous relationships. It's not a problem for me. But I know it is for a lot of people. Um and they don't uh, and they don't want to um, break their promises to be faithful and honest and, and so on. Yeah. So um, they're non-consensually non-monogamous and having uh, yeah. encounters with people that their partner doesn't know about. And that, that can be really, really painful for all kinds of people involved. Um, but somehow that seems almost more socially acceptable because because the script says you have to be monogamous and when when people when I tell people I'm non-monogamous they're horrified that I would do um whereas having an affair affair, that's totally fine uh we know we understand they're being openly polyamorous which pisses me off yeah really um i'm (laughs) conscious of time julia uh and before we go i know i know you want to mention your your plans for a future project that you're working on yes i so uh so i have been thinking about this project for a very long time and i'm finally in a position of my life where i can actively begin working on it so I have been a polyamory community organizer for a long time, and I uh, I, I have a strong call uh, to serve the you know the community in many ways. And in the UK, we do not have uh, uh, you know uh, a national polyamory association, and my dream is uh, to create one. So I want uh, uh, to basically start building this project. And uh, I am starting to, uh, you know, get together um, a team uh, of people who want to uh, contribute towards uh, uh, this project. And uh, so I welcome 
input from people who are interested and, and have the time and willing to give that commitment to it. And uh, um, I'm happy to receive ideas and brainstorm with people about it. So feel free to get in touch with me if you're interested into it. That's great, Julia. And, and yeah. I know I, I, you and I have already talked about something I'd like to get involved in supporting with the with the consent work that I'm doing. And also, um, I think it is an important um, thing for people who are um, exploring relationships out of that traditional normative mode to have a place where they can go for advice and support and advocacy so i think it's great that you're doing that yeah. and we'll put the um we'll put a link in the comments attached to this podcast of how you can contact julia if you're interested in that julia before we go i've been asking all my guests um if you had one message for the international day of consent what would your one message be so uh in relation to this topic, consensual non-monogamy, I would say that uh, if you decide to do it, uh, you, you should do it because you want to, because uh, um, you are freely and making the choice to be, you know, uh, consensually and ethically non-monogamous. So, uh, you know, you've got to do it without uh, feeling any pressure uh, with, you know without any question it's got to be a free choice yeah oh absolutely yeah that's a really good point to make so not to feel pressured by a partner or by um you know it being a new trendy thing to be non-monogamous but to actually make a really authentic choice that you authentic. want to do it yeah. oh absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you, Julia, for being my guest today. It's been great, and um, we'll say goodbye. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to the I Do Consent podcast. Please like, share, and bring your comments or questions about anything that you've heard on the podcast to me, Jen Wilson, on social media as Irregular Jen, or... Find me on the web at irregular.org.uk forward slash I do consent. You can sign up for the mailing list and find out more about the frameworks, training, support and other things available for practicing consent and to support the International Day of Consent. Please also visit idoconsent.org. And remember, keep it curious, kind and consensual.